Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. We've got something special for you in this week's episode of The Tech John. We interviewed Cheris Samuels, a unicorn of unicorns, as she is a black female mechanical engineer. We talk about everything from her journey getting into engineering at a young age, for years being the only face on the job that looks like hers, and how she transitioned into tech now working on Amazon Fresh, the cashierless grocery stores. We also talk about Sheris' son's unique name, her not changing her last name when she got married, and people still thinking it's cool to touch black people's hair even after you tell them not to. We've got all this and more for you in episode 63 of The Tech John. From Columbus, Ohio, I'm your host, Rob Dunwood. And out of Atlanta, this is Terrence Gaines, a.k.a. Brother Tech, a.k.a. T is for Tennessee, S-S-T-A-T-E, U-University, T-S-U. <laughs> I say that because, as you can see, Stephanie, our main host, uh, she is a tech life expert. Uh, she is also a FAMU alum. Ooh. <laughs> but she is out for the week. So I uh, did a little shoulder tap to my home girl for uh, to fill in for us. This is none other than Cherish Samuels. She is a fellow Tennessee State alum, if you didn't already yes. know. <laughs> she is also a Detroit native, Memphis resident, a mechanical engineer, wife and mom. So I just wanted to bring somebody on who I have familiarity with, but also is in these tech streets as well. So if you would please definitely uh, give a warm welcome to Cherish Samuel. So we're going to take some time, get into her background, talk about her unique uh, job background, because I think it's unique. You know, you think of traditional tech jobs, you think of software developers, you think of, you know, all the cool stuff that people talk about. In six weeks, taking a course, you can become a <laughs> software developer making $250,000. Well, part time. Cherish has, yeah, part time, right, right, right. <laughs> After work, right. So, uh, Cherish is a engineer, but she has a little bit of a, a unique, uh, job in my opinion. So we want, definitely want to get into it. So definitely want to say thank you for taking the time to come on, Cherish. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Know, be- you know, be- like- before we, before we get there. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm going to call right. out the obvious. Y'all didn't have to gang up on me with these TSU, <laughs> these TSU hoodies, TSU well, see, t-shirts and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't planned. I didn't, t- I didn't text, uh, uh, email chairs. Make sure you wear some tissue paraphernalia. <laughs> nope. I ain't do none of that, but she know what time it was. So, mm-hmm. and this little get back at, I don't know if you know, cherish, but, um, Rob's daughter yeah. goes to North Carolina A&T. Okay. And for some strange reason, <laughs> Aggie Pride, the nerve, 
the nerve to call their homecoming the best. What is it? The, <laughs> the best homecoming <laughs> on earth or something? Greatest homecoming on earth. Wow. And I didn't go to an HBCU. I, I, I did not. Um, I went to Howard on a visit and it blew my mind. But, uh, you know, I, I did not go to an HBCU. So, so I can, like I said, that was my really, first time really going to, I mean, I've been on like here in Ohio Central State, but that don't count. <laughs> that, that, that don't count. To, much, it's a different world. Much, but he pretty much had his, uh, what they call it, his, uh, his, his, I don't want to say the, the cherry popped, but <laughs> after that, he had a, he had the, the NC State hat on. <laughs> now he all of a sudden, you know, it's like so we had to uh, me and me and Stephanie had to bring him back in, reeling back in a little bit. So, <laughs> but speaking of which, yeah. you know, uh, talk to us a little bit about yourself. Talk to us about you know, since we're on the subject of Tennessee State, you know, tell us about your background, how you got into yeah. tech, how you got into engineering, and how'd you get to Tennessee State University from Detroit. Yeah. So, uh, thanks again for the, the invite and the intro. Um, I, Tennessee State was a huge part of my life. So I started, grew up in Detroit. You mentioned that. Um, up, for anyone though? who's ever been to Detroit or grew up in Detroit, knows people who grew up in Detroit, uh, Detroit's like a breeding ground for engineers. We have the big three there in the automotive industry and they're in the high schools and even middle schools, elementary schools sometimes. Um, just putting that presence in there for math and STEM and pushing it. So by the time I came out of high school, uh, most of my friends were in engineering programs um, across the country. And for me, I've had a passion for buildings my whole life. Um, I used to like sit outside this old abandoned train station in Detroit, which is being renovated now. But I would sit there and just stare at the building and think like one day I'm going to have an impact on on big facilities like this. Um, so my dad's an industrial electrician. He had a, uh, just fully candid. He had a gym shoe cap when I was in high school. You, your shoes could not cost more than this unless you paid the difference. Okay. And so to earn that money, I started going on side jobs with him doing, uh, electrical installations at people's houses, lighting systems and wiring work, um, probably at 12, 13. So I got a very early intro, hands-on intro into the world of engineering and, a counselor at my high school, Renaissance High School, anybody from Detroit, that, that is the best high school in Detroit, I just want to say. <laughs> um, we, uh, uh, in high school, a counselor said, hey, I've heard about this program called Architectural Engineering. So at the time, there were only 13 schools in the country that offered architectural engineering as an accredited program. North Carolina A&T was one of those schools. Um, but I chose the best one, Tennessee State. I uh, went there for my undergrad, and um, I would say my career has just been an amazing journey since. Um, it it the experience there is immeasurable. You talk about like the homecoming, and I think that's mm-hmm. just like the the small part of it. But I just came back in midnight from spending a weekend, a long weekend, with my girlfriends uh, who I met at Tennessee State, and the six mm-hmm. of us continue to take a few trips a year, talk almost daily, like. Um, it had a huge impact on my life. So getting into tech um, from Tennessee State, actually, I went to grad school at Penn State, which was at the time one of the other 13 schools that had an accredited program. Um, complete shift, <laughs> a very, very different environment right. from ten- literally the complete opposite and um, turned out to be a great experience there, too. Um, throughout my career, I've worked in different sides of the building industry design firms, construction firm, um, some consulting work, utility 
uh, worked at McDonald's for about 11 years as an engineer and ended up growing and leading the design standards team. So we were the team that set all the standards for all U.S. McDonald's restaurants. And my specialty has always been mechanical engineering. So I set the strategies for mechanical equipment, HVAC systems, kitchen design, and across the country for McDonald's, which was a um, huge role and got me a lot of credibility and recognition in the industry. Um, And two years ago, I moved over to tech and Amazon uh, for those who are familiar, Amazon um, created a, a, a company within Amazon called Amazon Fresh um, mm-hmm. almost a decade ago. But since then, uh, two years ago, we opened the first physical Amazon Fresh store. So if anyone um, <laughs> is uh, in the what, D.C., Chicago, L.A. or Seattle markets, you may have had a chance to go in those stores. Um, I lead a team that designs what those stores look like, the customer journey through those stores. Um, and supports um, all the the fun parts of building a large building when it comes to codes and and technology and troubleshooting. So it's a perfect merger of the world of tech and the physical space, which has has been the majority of my journey. Right. So let me do. Uh, let me back up a little bit. And uh, yeah. Wayne want, had a question. I so mean, that was I saw that. That made me smile. I uh, mean. <laughs> so what is up with these ice cream machines since you since we got the, the person <laughs> who <laughs> designed the space and set all the standards in the building for the mechanical stuff? Why can't yeah. these ice machines work on a regular basis? I heard well, there's an actual story behind <laughs> that. But yeah, give us, since we got the person, we need to get we need to get this inside scoop. Yeah. So I will <laughs> I will say um I work next comment. That is not an HVAC issue. Like number one, like, you know, I, I, not to say not my problem, but that really was not my problem. I would always say, I'll take your concerns back to the equipment team that selects this pieces of equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still have a little bit of a, a, an allegiance to McDonald's when those machines work, they work when they don't. Boy, I tell you like that, that that's a problem that that company is still mm-hmm. dealing with. There's a very good article online, a very long one, um, where you can read some of the details about those Taylor machines and the challenges that come with them. Um, Mm -hmm. I'll say, you know, like I say, when they work, they work, but they're, they're quite complex for the service that they provide. All right. All right. So you mentioned getting into Amazon fresh. So talk without, you know, of course, getting into any sort of details are going to get you in trouble. Uh, talk, (laughs) talk to us about, the design as far as the building structure as to how that integrates with the technology, specifically with those stores. I have never been in one, but we see all about them. We've read all about them. The ones to where, you know, as a brother, you know, I still might want to (laughs) want to make sure that I hold my food up and make sure everybody see it before I put it in my cart and walk out. Talk to us about, how yeah. that the 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 actual space, how that integrates with the technology that Amazon is pushing to where people can walk into the buildings, pick up merchandise, in this case food, put it in the cart and walk out and everything yeah. is taken care of <laughs> automatically. Talk to us about how how that integrates in your role in the net. Yeah, it's really cool. And, you know, for a company like Amazon, obviously we've got warehouses and facilities, but um, this was a, 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 a big intro of the company into like customer facing spaces. So it was 
really fun. The decisions were made before I started with the company around like to even go into physical spaces. But uh, one of the core drivers in that was, you know, a thing Amazon likes to do is sit back and say, what's the problem that's not resolved? Like, what's the biggest problem that customers are dealing with that just hasn't been solved yet? And number one complaint people have is how long it takes to wait in line when you're at the grocery store, how long it takes to check out. And so Amazon really started to take a step back and think, how do we make checkout easier and faster? Um, so we have two formats. Um, there's the just walk out, which you just mentioned, and the dash cart. Um, and our stores right now are a mix of both. Um, just depends on which store you go to. Um, the, the dash cart has um, a, a smart technology advanced cart where um, the cart has a display. And as you drop your items into the cart, it scans the items, shows up on the display. Um, there's opportunities because you're linked to your Amazon account. So giving you those recommendations, hey, you grab this pasta sauce, here's a great wine to pair with it. Or, you know, this fish goes really well with this side we have. Here's where to find it in the store. Um, so it's a really great way to um, help customers through the entire journey. And then at the end, there's a dedicated lane where you push your cart out as you're exiting. It um, completes your order and sends your receipt to your phone. Um, and the other version is the Just Walk Out, which you mentioned, um, which SNL did a, a, a nice skit on a while back. I just pulled the link um, to it up. <laughs> I feel like I could have wrote that. I'm going to lie. Like I, the first time I had never experienced Just Walk Out before I started Amazon. And the first time I, <laughs> I walked through one of the Amazon Go stores, um, which have the same experience just on a smaller scale convenience store, uh, I I walked out of there and said uh, that was that was different, you know. Mm -hmm. I, I took a step back and and went and regrouped with my team, and we actually talked about it. You know, I've got a a, a very diverse team, and we kind of talked about our different experiences and going through that. And it was interesting because that for me it was very similar to what was on SNL. But there were other people on the team that had you know different but very you know relevant experiences that you know others of us may not have thought of. Um, so it's been a great, uh, opportunity for all of these learnings to come together. And my team, what we're doing is trying to, um, make, you know, highlight this technology, but also hide it in the space. Like it's still grocery shopping. You still want people mm -hmm. to come and do what they're looking to do, which is, is shop. Um, and so there's a balance as we're, you know, trying to figure out, um, how to have this technology in the space, but, not necessarily force people to look at it or to feel like they're interacting with it. Because mm -hmm. again, the goal is to allow you to check out faster and we want to keep that front and center. Um, so it's a really cool um, opportunity to work for, you know, in the tech space in a way that um, most architects and engineers that work on the building space don't get an opportunity to, to really think about how to um, take a building that is that, uh, essentially a service that hasn't changed in decades and, you know, advance the technology that is within that space, but also like, how do you change people? How do you, how do you encourage people to be comfortable with doing something a little different? Um, so it's a balance of all those things, which makes it a really fun, a really fun job. I, uh, I, I remember um, when you first started seeing, the uh, self-checkouts in grocery stores. 
And I remember, um, you know, when one, st- I can't remember the name of the store. It, m- it might have been Giant Eagle, but I can't remember. Um, when they actually, you know, they had made like a, a local news announcement about, Hey, we have these self checkouts now. Um, just kind of letting people know what they are because people literally did not know what they were. They just thought they were like, like express lanes that didn't have any cashiers at them. So folks would go up to them and stand there waiting for a cashier to come. It's like, Oh no, you have to do it yourself. So it's just funny how I, I remember when that, you know, when they, when they first came on the scene, you literally would have the self checkout. You would have a cashier at literally each self checkout to explain and show customers, patrons how to actually check their own food out. And I just remember, uh, I was in with, uh, you know, I went to one with my mother once. Um, and like I said, you know, I'm, I'm way grown, but just happened to be home and both of us, you know, you know, I took her to the grocery store and she's like, well, if they're going to have somebody standing there, can't they just do it for me? was like the thought that the thought that she, you know, thought that she had, which is actually a, a really good thought. But, you know, when I think back on that, there really is a fundamental change in how people have to perceive how they're going to, to do stuff. Because I'm telling you right now, if I'm just, I just put it in a cart and I just walk out. I'm going to be shook for a minute. It's like, you know, literally that, 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 that SNL skit was perfect for how people, certain people will feel, you know, you know, walking out of a store without having paid for anything. It's like, I, you know, I absolutely uh, can see that happening. So I just thought that was uh, really cool. One of the things yeah, I, I did. Know, want, I want to, I want to touch on one thing I see in the comments. So, you know, and, and really call out, like our goal is not to push people to get out the store faster. We want you in that store as long as you want to be in that store. Because we want you to buy more stuff and shop and see more. Um, mm-hmm. It's really specific to that checkout process. Like, you know, the however long you take in that store, whether it's a five minute journey through the store or a 30 minute journey through the store, when you get to that line, it's a surprise. Because when you come around that last aisle and you get to the line, you don't always know if there's one person in line or 20 people in line. So our goal is to allow you to have your journey however you want. And then when you're done with that journey, you're done. You just walk out. You don't have to, you know, get surprised and then decide, as many of us do, ah, do I want to wait in this line for these three things in my hand or do I want to leave? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, where are you on the uh, debate as it relates to self-checkout? Are you, I prefer <laughs> to check my stuff out myself or are you the other faction of now, if I'm paying for the cashiers to be there, I want them to do the work for me. Where, where do you, where are you, where are you on that stance? Well, I will preface this by saying this is my opinion has nothing to do with Amazon or Amazon fresh. Um, I personally, um, it, it depends. So I have a five-year-old. So grocery shopping for me depends on, am I by myself? Am I with the kid? And do I have a lot of things or a few things? If I've got a handful of things. I just want to check myself out. But if I've got a cart full that I cannot stand, like when I've got two things and I'm trying to go through self-checkout and someone's got 50 things in their cart and they're taking their time and then they've got a call for help and they've got wine or beer and they need to show ID. I, yeah, those are the points when I prefer to, um, have someone help check me out. That being said, when I travel to Seattle or to DC for work and whether I'm there, you know, for, um, for a work party or an event and we need things like for the team, we're having a lunch, um, or if it's just me for my hotel and I want to get a few bottles of water and some snacks, I absolutely love having the choice of either taking the lane with my cart and having someone check me out 
or just grabbing on my things and walking straight out. Um, and the reality is if I'm using just walk out or the dash cart, I never have to, I don't even have to think about it. There is no going to have someone take those things out for me. So um, I say I'm kind of across the board. I, I think there's a use case for all those variations of how people shop. So um, Art, do you think in your opinion, either by design or inevitably, we'll get to a place where everything will be automated? Or do you think people still would rather not necessarily reject, but would prefer, like you mentioned, to have the choice of being able to have everything done for me or actually have that person to person interaction, whether it be, you know, grocery stores or anything really, where you, where you, yeah. where you see things going? Uh, um, you know, there's a convenience level to fully automated, you know, whether we, we dealt with the same thing at McDonald's when McDonald's rolled out kiosk and started looking at different ways to order and mobile apps and stuff. Um, and you know, same now with me on the grocery side, I think, um, there's a convenience level to the automation that many people appreciate. Um, but there are still the people that, you know, desire the human interaction and that will drive the decisions on where and how they shop. And I think, you know, we have to think about that, you know, even as um, we design the spaces for for people to to um, come out and do their shopping. Um, even the increase in delivery, grocery delivery shows us that there are a lot of people that are that are OK with, you know, not having that human inter- interaction. And there are still a lot of people who prefer to get out and pick their own avocados or bananas. Um, obviously, we want to see more people doing whatever through our stores. But I think um, I don't know that I personally see us going to automation in the near future, um, less because of the technology available and more just because of like the the typical, you know, American consumer. Like not every American has um, a smartphone or a device that's app enabled and and has a credit card that they can tie to an app. And so cash is still very, very prevalent in many communities as the way that people are paying for their their food and their groceries and other services. And I don't think that we as a country are ready to move to ignore that, to move past that. So that's going to continue to be a, a significant part of the conversation and how far tech can go without still accommodating um, the non-tech ways of, of shopping. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right. So one of the things that uh, you actually uh, wrote in an email when we were just talking about you, you know, coming on the show was that uh, Amazon was the first space where you were not the only person 
who looked like you doing what you do in the space. So, um, you know, on, on the tech john here, when we talk about tech, it is almost a hundred percent about computers specifically. Uh, that's generally what we're talking about. We always say, you know, you have to look at just, you know, STEM, not just as computers, you know, you have to look at the, you know, being an electrician or being a plumber and stuff like that, you know, skill trades as well, but it's gotta be different. Um, you know, you are a unicorn of unicorns being a black female mechanical engineer. Can, can you just tell us a little bit about what that journey um, has been like and how that has affected you throughout your career. Yeah. And um, to add, to add on that, how open, welcoming or the lack thereof, um, have the previous companies that you've been with, you know, how have they welcomed yeah. that or kind of, you know, otherwise? Yeah. I, I, you know, it goes back honestly to my college journey and, you know, Tennessee State is an amazing engineering school. And it taught me the foundation of what I know in terms of my tech um, technology and, and my knowledge in the engineering space. Um, I had internships all through college that also, you know, exposed me to a lot of things and gave me a lot of um, uh, my resume was built before I even graduated. Like I, I had that plus. Um, I always said like moving into Penn State, like I went there because as I'm sitting in this design firm that I'm interning at for all five years of college, I'm noticing nobody in there looks like me. And most of these men who have grown, you know, through their careers, um, all went to Penn State. So I started, you know, kind of making that tie and saying, that's the door opener that I think will start to get me the additional exposure. Um, adding that one line on my resume, um, turned out to be great. I'm now like on the, um, industry professional advisory council for Penn state. I'm, I'm working with them on a lot of their recruiting measures too. Um, but getting to that, like that was kind of the foundation of me starting to realize that if I want to stay in this space, I have to not only become comfortable with being in only, um, but also try and figure out how to use my position as I grow to make sure that I don't continue to be the only um, previous design firm, construction firm, um, even in, you know, McDonald's working in development, there were not a lot of black women that were in positions of leadership, um, that were in engineering roles, no others in engineering roles, you know, in architecture roles. There were, um, it was, it was very just sparse, um, Moving into uh, and you talk about like what that experience was like. It was it was hard. I mean, I, I've walked in meetings. I've people have touched my hair. Like you know, it happened last month. Get out like of here. in twenty twenty two on Beyonce's I'm still dealing internet. with people touching my hair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, walking in rooms and hearing the smart comments. Um, a man telling me that you know he only allows women in his meetings if they're bringing his coffee. Um, mm. I. Uh, I have been also lucky that I've had some great mentors um, along the way who were, you know, advocates, supporters, and even coaches and saying, okay, like we both recognize that that's not right. And here's how we're going to deal with this. Or, you know what, here's your moment. Say whatever you want to say in response to this idiot. And I got mm-hmm. you. Back. And mm-hmm. that helped me build up confidence um, and being able to address these things, report these things and not feel, you know, threatened. Um, and I think also just, you know, to your point about the unicorn. Yeah. I've, I've got 
two degrees in engineering. I'm a licensed engineer. I'm a black woman. Like those are already very rare. And so there is a level of confidence that came with that that makes me feel like I, I'm not worried about reporting you right now. I'm not worried about addressing you. Like I'm going to come out on top here. So like, let's, let's not just sweep this under the rug so that, you know, three more women are going to have to deal with this behavior in the next, you know, day or so. Um, moving into Amazon two and a half years ago um, was eye opening. Like I said, in, in most of the engineering spaces I've been in, I'm often the only black person. I'm often the only woman, therefore only of both. Um, and that just, I don't know, as uncomfortable it is, it became the norm. Amazon was when I realized when you don't have that, you walk into the space and your guard's not up. Like you're not, you're not doing all the extra work of, all right, what should I be prepared for today? Like, is somebody going to touch my hair? Is somebody going to tell me to go straighten my hair and get it done? Like, these are things that have happened. Um, just being able to get up and go to work was, was amazing. And it didn't happen instantly. Like that guard kind of, kind of um, slowly let down. Um, and honestly, I didn't realize it until I mentioned last month, you know, having this incident where somebody touched my hair um, after I told them not to. And after, oh, after. To. oh wow. Oh, yes. Not it shocking. Was a whole thing. Not shocking. <laughs> it was a whole just, thing. <laughs> just, just confirmation. We, you know, I, I've literally told a story on this show about someone doing that after they were told yes. not to do it. Yes. So it's, after it's just, they were told yeah. not to. Yeah. Cosign. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and just as I was like just decompressing from this whole moment and thinking about, you know, how unprepared I was for that, even though I realized Jeez. I walked into this space with, mm-hmm. you know, 200 white men and, you know, a handful of women in general and, you know, one black woman. Um, it's like I, you know, I've been so far removed from that for the last couple of years that it it literally threw me off. But it also made me realize how much probably more productive I am just not holding that weight every day. In addition to the, the hard work that I'm already doing working. Mm-hmm. In Amazon. We, we try to tell folks about the mental gymnastics that we know just the mental gymnastics we have to go through to exist in these predominantly white spaces. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes the mechanism is, is, is code shifting, you know, when you're in there, okay. that is, that is mentally stressful. It is. It's like, you know, you know, you, we generally are working in what we would call them doing a quote unquote, the, the, the white collar jobs. You are not digging ditches. You are not literally uh, physically doing manual labor, but just the process of just having to mentally prepare yourself and just have your guard up all the time can be yeah. so it's just so stressing. So I can only imagine that when you, oh, wow, I, I see somebody else. Who, you know, even if it's just one person, you kind of yeah. can let your shoulders down a little bit. but. I'm not a I'm not a violent person, but can we make a rule? Can we can we make a law that if somebody touches your hair after you don't told them not to, that you can just hit them in the throat one time real good? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I I definitely felt that I was I, wow. I was, you know, showing calm. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a professional. I'm in a leadership role at a very large company. And yet in that moment, like I, you know, I wanted to go back to Detroit. <laughs> not to use the word, uh, not to use the word subordinate, 
But I mean, were they the person was would they at least feel like they were um uh on your level? Or was it really like some rando that random, just saw that just saw you and just assumed that I don't care what her title is, I don't care what her accomplishes are accomplishments were, I don't care what she's doing in this room right now, her importance, that was just the move yeah. that they were gonna make. Even afterwards. Well, I, I couldn't I couldn't imagine it because, you know, like like Rob mentioned, you know, even after even hearing about the stories, you know, we've we've all been on the Internet and on social media and we've read stories and heard stories where people do the hair touching thing. And we've all kind of debated and talked about and broken and down and dissected about why, as unassuming it appears to other folks how how of a not a chess move but how important it is for us to have that autonomy to have that space violated right yep. you hear all that stuff but then yeah. for it to actually happen i can i can imagine <laughs> how it being like right forget yeah. everything you heard and read and if if, yeah. the, if that would happen to me i would do a b c d e f g yeah. But then for it to actually happen in the moment, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. in the moment, I'm like, what? Like, you know, there's there's limits here to to how to handle this. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I know so many other women and and girls, you know, younger, younger girls and women um, who are in these environments. uh, (laughs) All that. I didn't want to harp on it any longer because we can get in a whole thing about that. Right. Um, (laughs) So. So. Having gone through that, kind of talk to talk about what was your uh, you talked about your father as being one of the first people that kind of introduced you to engineering, technology, things of that. Talk about some of the reasons why you stay in it, even when some of those challenges, some of those specific specific instances happen. What kind of what kind of keeps you into it and what kind of you mentioned talking about the change you want to change yeah. the world. Talk about, talk about some of the motivations that keep you in it and you know, some of the things you're doing to, you know, change corporate corporations, you know, uh, as it relates to diversity, yeah. as it relates to STEM, things of that nature. Yeah. So, um, when I worked for the construction firm a couple of years out of, um, grad school and in my late twenties and, I did, uh, I started to, uh, introduce a girl to engineering day program at the construction firm I was at where every year we would gather, um, young women, mostly black and Latino women from the nearby school to our office and, um, take them on construction sites and just introduce them to different careers. And for me, it was, uh, the first year I did that. And there was a young girl, uh, black girl, about 14 years old. I think she was a high school freshman. Um, who pulled me aside and just said, you know, I, I've never seen a black woman in a position like this. And I honestly did not know we could be engineers. And that could be, you know, just struck me mm. like that has stuck with me my entire career. Um, you know, not just doing, um, what I'm doing for myself, you know, for my career to, to provide for my family and to, you know, enjoy the, the challenges, you know, mentally that I like in my career, but also to make sure that I'm constantly being visible and, and giving back and connecting with the communities because, 
um, you know, I didn't see, I, I had my dad and I had, you know, um, other family members who were men who were in engineering or other technical roles, but, you know, I didn't see that with, with women either. And, um, you realize like when you, when you see it, you know, I met my first, um, female engineer as a, as a college freshman on my internship. And, you know, to this day, she's still one of my, my mentors and just an amazing influence on me. But, you know, seeing that is so important. So for me, I, I had a moment where I did think I didn't want to be an engineer anymore. And I went into consulting. Uh, sustainability has always been a, a part of my career and something I'm passionate about. So I went into consulting on the sustainability side and within a year realized like I need to get back to engineering. Um, it's a, it became kind of a part of my identity in a way. Like this is, this is the, the title for the part of me that, you know, I, I always enjoyed, but didn't really know how to, um, how to talk about it and how to make it a career. And once I did, it was really important to me to keep it that way. Um, so now I do, um, I, I will, coming to Amazon was a bit of a shift in terms of my extracurricular time. Um, I'm finally getting into a place now where I'm starting to, um, I guess, better balance that and give more time to outside um, organizations that are, you know, focused on introducing girls to engineering or trades or STEM. Um, it could be as, as simple as like talking to kids in elementary schools that are doing career days or showing up for events. Um, Amazon has sent me to a couple of events focused on girls and, and careers around construction and engineering where I'm able to talk to them and, and give them different perspectives. Okay. All right. All right. So, um, kind of shift gears a little bit and it looks like, so to, to give everybody, uh, Cherish is pretty much going to take up all of our time. So we have some <laughs> some tech subjects. We probably were going to save them for the after party. So if you are a uh, Patreon supporter, uh, definitely hold tight. We'll get into some some tech tech news and some things we talk about normally in the, in the uh, after party. But if you are not a Patreon subscriber, uh, definitely uh, join our Patreon so you can get that news. But we going looks like we're going to spend all the time <laughs> talking to Cherish, right? Because the reason why I say that and to shift gears a little bit, you talk about family. You know, you talked about people who you know, um, who are your advocates. Um, my assumption is uh, your husband is is an advocate as well. But unlike me, uh, I met my wife at Tennessee State University. <laughs> Shout out to Alondra. Uh, her birthday is today. So if you're watching this oh, live, happy birthday. Uh, yeah, definitely give a shout out to my wife, uh, who was also at Tennessee uh, State yep. around the same time we went there. We're all engineers. Um, <laughs> you didn't meet your husband at Tennessee State. So uh, talk to us about you know, all the things, you know, you were talking, you went to Penn State, you know, uh, going through all these different companies, trying to find find your groove. Uh, talk about how you uh, met your husband and uh, talk about your son and his uh, special, uh, unique <laughs> name. Talk to us about how that came and, you know, your name as a, an extension of that. Talk talk to us about yeah. your, your, your family background. So are we talking about the, the tech version of this story or am I giving like Look, the real I, I'm, like I'm doing I'm trying not to steer you I'm just keeping it open and then wherever yeah, you take the no, conversation no. is where you take it <laughs> I, I definitely have a crazy story so I love to share it um yeah I met my husband I was definitely out of school I think I was 32 and you know full transparency I had a year where I was like okay you know what dating has not been going the way I planned for it I want to get married at some point 
Um, and so I had a year where I just agreed to any date. Whoever asked me out, I went on dates. So I went out with everybody across the board. And sidebar, that's so weird. For, <laughs> that's so weird. That's so weird for me to hear that because when when we were in school, you were the cool kids. You were uh, you were the AKA. Y'all were y'all you know y'all were showing up at all the parties. You know y'all were the cool kids yep. at school. So I'm surprised to hear that uh, that that popularity didn't translate into you know people knocking down your door. I think you know what I was a nerd, and I think um, I was a cool kid, but I still was a nerd. And as I got older, like you know, what I was looking for was kind of you know somebody that was equally as as nerdy, but also a cool kid. And um, so the end of that year, New Year's Eve, I, a guy invited me to a, a party as a, as his date, and uh, we get to the party, and it's just not working out. Like we're 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 having a conversation, but it's it's not not working and and yet there's a guy in the kitchen at this house party watching me laughing for like an hour and it can see that he's mocking me um and so my date sends me in the kitchen to get a drink and i end up talking to that guy for three hours and married him on new year's eve three years later (laughs) okay that is how i met my husband um there's a little blip in there we did have a date the next week he stood me up and i deleted his number and then we ran into each other at a CrossFit class three weeks later and that was like inseparable ever since. Okay. Um, did not necessarily plan on having kids and it was a hypothetical thing and then we had a kid <laughs> and um, he, my husband is, so he's a Air Force veteran. He's a the smart one as he calls it. Um, he collects comics. He's a biology major. He runs veterinary labs. Um, so again, another nerd. And, um, as we talked about, just like if we ever have this kid, he was set on this name rocket based on a uh, comic book character for anybody that's into the, I think the icon series, Raquel, um, her name was rocket her superhero name. And so when we had a kid, I was like, you know what? I don't think I'm going to do this again. So if we're going to use this name Rocket, I know you thought it was a girl name, but um, this boy is going to get named Rocket. Mm-hmm. We did it. We didn't tell anyone until he was born because we knew everyone would try and talk us out of it. And Especially black folks. Yes. Oh, yeah. It took my dad a year to be able to, to say it without a pause. You know, my mm-hmm. grandson, Rocket, like every time. <laughs> um and we, you know, we thought like, you know, smart NASA astronaut kid. Um, mm-hmm. He's definitely extremely smart, but he lives up to his name in every way. He's wild. He's crazy. He's sparky. He he and I do Legos all day. And um, it if you you couldn't have put together a biology and an engineer brain and created anything more exciting. <laughs> all right. So you. you- it sounds like you're just bucking traditions left and right, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you, um, and, uh, one of the things that I, I, I think I asked in Facebook one time, you, you, you mentioned it. You said, I don't think I'm doing this again. So you just, you just one and done, huh? One and done. Yes. Okay. So that's one another tradition you're bucking. You, it female, is. uh, engineer, black female engineer, you know, uh, talk to us about you, you put, you put in the notes about your last name, because ever since I've known you, you've yep. always been Cherished Sam- yes. Samuels. Yep. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. That um, 
So when I met my husband, I was, um, it was a couple of years after I got my engineering license. And I think by the time we were engaged, I had engineering licenses in 11 states. Mm -hmm. Um, only have one now, but at the time I had 11 states. Um, I was on committees for ASHRAE International Engineering Society. And, um, I just, I had a lot going on. And the guys at work, some of the engineers and architects that I worked with, you know, kind of at one point said, you know, we don't we don't have to change our names when we get married. And that becomes advantageous to us for our careers because we don't have to restart. You don't Mm -hmm. there's no shift. Mm -hmm. Um, And so think about like literally three of them pulled me aside and said, you know, think about this, like, you know, just whether you really want to do this. And I had no plans. I hadn't even thought about changing my name or not. Um, and, uh, my husband and maybe a, a week or so before the wedding, just kind of one day walked in the room and said, I don't think you should change your name. I don't know if you, we, we literally hadn't talked about it. He's like, I don't know if you're mm-hmm. thinking about it or not, but I don't think you should change your name. You've done way too much in your career. And, um, it, it just seems like it's pointless. Like we're in our thirties. Like, I know who you are. <laughs> I don't think I'll be confused about that. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, we got married at 35. You know, I was, I was 35 going on 36. And at that point, again, with all the credentials, I started looking into what it would take, changing names on degrees and transcripts. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, you know, that's a lot. Yeah. So I said no. And, um, I, d- I never did it. It was again, explaining to the family. That was yeah, that's a, what was my next question. One. How did your friends and family take that? Uh, what was their responses? What was their they were explanations? Surprised. Okay. Yeah, a lot of them were surprised. And and uh I remember telling one of my line sisters at a at a bar and she instantly turned to my husband and said, And you're okay with this? Oh wow. No idea, yeah. you know. Um I was the first engineering conference I went to. Um, you know, there was a guy who, you know, was, was like, explain this to me. You know, and again, being an engineer, I did the research beforehand because I knew why I did it. But I also mm-hmm. wanted to see, was this normal? And I started mm-hmm. to see that, you know, there are other cultures where it just women just don't change their name. But also mm-hmm. in a lot of um, licensed uh, careers, such as engineering, mm-hmm. medical fields, um, a lot of women chose not to do it um, because of the shift in your career. So now everything, whether it's papers you've written um, or reviewed, um, patents that you've, you know, been granted, all of these things are now under a different name. And in many of those, the records of those don't change. And so it's now mm-hmm. you've got to maintain two identities, mm-hmm. you know, for the remainder of your career. Um, so, you know, by the time I can got to that meeting, having gone through my family and friends, I was prepared, you know, to have that conversation. And there were a lot of guys in that meeting, you know, who kind of said, wow, you know, now I get it. It's different when you get married younger and Mm -hmm. you haven't established your career and all these things. Um, But I think when you're older, for me, it was the career piece. Um, But also as I was doing my research, one of the things that also stood out was the identity piece. Like a lot of women felt like, you know, you're already shifting as you're becoming a, a married woman, going from single to married. But a lot of women also struggled with, you know, that identity shift in addition to, Who's this new person, this new name, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, So it was a lot of research went into it, but I will say it was an easy decision. The research was more to explain my decision to people that didn't agree with it until I felt like there no longer needed explanation. At that point, it's just it is what it is. 
Right. And right, you asked right. about Cherish. Cherish was, um, so the, people think Cool in the Gang. I was born when that song came out. That was not Cool in the Gang. <laughs> the association in the 60s uh, created a song called Cherish. And um, people from that era instantly, when they hear my name, will start singing that. And shopping mall, when I worked in the mall, people would sing it to me all the time in the mall. Um, so my mom, that song was on when she found out she was having a girl. And, um, I will say for me, again, getting back to my son, it sparked a love for word names, as I call them. I love names mm-hmm. that are words. Okay. That's the no, I would have thought, yeah, thought Sade. No, I was going to say, I would have thought Sade when, uh, Cherish today. <laughs> that's what I, what I would have thought. But. Nope. I was already <laughs> born then too. <laughs> you know, um, and it's something that, you know, we men, we never really have to think about that. Um, my, uh, my younger sister, uh, she, she, she just got married, uh, during the middle of the pandemic. Um, when she got married, uh, she was 38 getting ready to turn 39. So like you, she had already established everything. So, um, you know, she decided to, uh, you know, keep, you know, her, you know, her, her name, you know, as well. So it's just like, wow. It's like, you know, th- this is a thing. I didn't really talk to her about it. It was just like, I know my little sister is like, that probably was not even, it was just, I'm just, because it's my name. It's like, why would I change it? You know, that's kind of how she is. But, um, yeah, that, you know, what you say, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense just, just from the professional standpoint, there's so much stuff that you would have to do. And I never even thought about patents and stuff like that that you potentially may have your name on, you're right. That does stuff that stuff doesn't change. Um just because yep. you decided to change your name. So uh that is yeah. that is an interesting an interesting the, story. I see the comment I think it's Saray. Um the comment about the kid. Now that that is um uh I will say that's one I do think about sometimes because my son's last name is different than mine. My husband and my son have the same last name and I don't. Um so um, legally, I, whenever it's legal, like we just don't have the same last name and I don't mm-hmm. explain it. I don't, you know, feel like I need to, I got over that pretty quickly, largely because I have girlfriends who had done the same thing. They got married before me. They didn't change their names. And I went straight to them and said, how are you navigating this? And they said, I just write my son's last name down on anything for school because it's not legal documentation. So oh, oh, like, it go. just makes them feel like clearly I'm married and I'm not just, you know, uh, uh, you know, not married or not his mother or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so I will, I'll do that. Mr. And Mrs. on anything with school and use their last name. Um, and anything that's legal, I just don't worry about it. So you bring up a good point, right? Do you, do you have that, um, that, not urge, but need to just make it so people just keep moving. Do you have that feeling? Um, is there an extra feeling because you're also a black woman and, you know, we feel like our perception. Yeah. Yeah. Perception, you know, (laughs) and and single mom and all those Mm -hmm. things, you know, does that creep in as well? Or is it typically, like you said, you've gotten to the point to where it's just like, look, just just keep it moving and just for, yeah. for formality reasons, do you, or do you always kind of, do you feel like, all right, I gotta, I gotta stand up for the, for the community and make sure they know what time it is, you know, yeah, so you know, I may kind of fudge the, fudge the name. So people know that I, he, we are married and he does yeah. have a father at home and yada, yada, yada. 
I used to feel that way. Like when I was in the hospital having like literally giving birth and they asked what name to put on his little bassinet and um and my doctor my OB came in and and noticed that his last name was different than mine and I said, "Well, I I never changed my name, you know, when I got married." And it was like, "What do you mean you didn't change your name?" Like so there I think in the beginning I felt a bit of pressure around that less about the marriage and more about when I had a kid. Mm-hmm. Um but no, I got over that pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I've got I can think of probably three or four of my my closest girlfriends that um, did not change their names, have children. And, you know, they've, their kids are way older than mine and they've navigated this world just fine. So mm-hmm. I think eventually I got out of the point of feeling like I had to justify it and feeling like I had to stand up for anybody. Like people are going to think what they're going to think regardless. Like I, I, I have a very fancy wedding ring and usually I've got on like this silicone band just because mm-hmm. it's more convenient and I don't have to worry about losing it somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, people ask me about that too. Like, you know, are you not married anymore? Like, no, I just don't want to wear my ring. Like it's a choice. Right. It's okay. Right. Right. <laughs> even, even down to, you know, getting a little bit more personal, but not getting too much personal. Using how, you know, again, this is all based on what I can purview <laughs> via, via Facebook posts. Right. Um, but you know, even you and your husband's relationship as it, as it relates to, you know, um, gender roles, you know, talk to us about how, you know, you and your husband navigate that. Yeah. Um, so we, gender roles went out the window. Like when we met, like we are, we are two different people and, um, going through therapy has helped me realize that a lot of it, he was raised by women. He was raised by very strong women, um, Mm -hmm. and who were very, you know, domesticated and, and family oriented in the house. I was raised by a man. My, uh, my dad was a single father when I was a kid and, um, he was a, you know, former football player. He raced cars, <laughs> drag racing. So like I was, I had to be an athlete, didn't have a choice. Um, so we grew up very different. And yeah, even today, um, I, <laughs> I'm a mechanical engineer. The something's broken the house. It needs to get fixed. I'm doing it. I needed a desk built so that I could have something to put in my office. I built it. Like I, I handle most of that stuff. Our walkway collapsed. I had to go find a structural engineer and work with him on what that was going to look like. Um, my husband is an amazing chef. I can cook. I don't. I am very proud of that. Some women are, uh, you know, feel ashamed or are, are ashamed, I should say, because they don't cook. I don't cook mm-hmm. and I am happy. My husband is probably down there making some exquisite four course meal right now that I'm going to eat when I finish this. And I'm going to be happy and thank him. But that's what he loves to do and not what I love to do. And it works out perfectly. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I can see the cooking, th- especially being down south. Yeah. Folks. Yep. What do you mean you don't cook? But, uh, yeah. they might said, uh, Wednesday before Thanksgiving, you working on Wednesday? You, oh, yeah. You don't have to cook. So, of course, you can work on the day before Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah. I can work the day before yeah. Thanksgiving because I'm not. I'm not at home cooking. Like that's not my thing. And and, and then conversely, but then conversely, they don't ask men that, that if a mm-hmm. man's working late on Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. they ain't like, what? You ain't got to go home and help your wife cook or anything yep. like that. You know, so it, it just, you know, it kind of a, is a microcosm, you know, of how our society is built to where, you know, uh, women 
you know, engineers, you know, things of that nature, all these little minefields, these little mind games, all these strategic moves Mm -hmm. that, you know, being a black female engineer, being a wife, being a mom with these gender roles that are unique with a name that is untraditional with a kid who has a name that's untraditional, (laughs) you know, (laughs) how all you have to, you have to mentally, whether you do it subconsciously or you just used to it to where now it's just like breathing, you know, Mm -hmm. you have to navigate you know, and the the sheer privilege that men, uh, white men, whether it be white women and black men, you know, mm-hmm. we don't have to have th- those same mental, you know, game plan, as it were, yeah. you know, just navigating throughout the day, you know, and it, it just goes to, you know, some of the strengths and some of the, you know, just sheer determination it takes you know, to be a black female engineer, you know, in the South married, you know, with all those different, you know, different roles. So definitely hats out to you. Um, Thank you. Yeah. I don't know. It's what is it? 55. I don't know, Rob, if you had any other questions, any other things you want to talk about? No, I was just going to say um, that, uh, you know, this is the tech job and we normally are talking about tech, but you have to remember that all (laughs) tech is not computers. We say this all the time. It's like, it is okay to look at other things, you know, with, with, within tech. Um, and, you know, we'll talk about this more, uh, you know, in, in the after party, uh, you know, but, and for those who are wondering, well, what is the after party and how do I get it? Well, you can get the after party by becoming a patron of the tech john. If you were to head over to patreon.com forward slash the tech john, that is the tech J A W N. Um, you can support our show over there. We've got multiple tiers and any one of those tiers gets you access to our live stream and our after party where you can actually come hang out with us. We answer your questions and just talk about kind of whatever. So, uh, you know, one to kind of do that commercial. And I, I do want to shout out, uh, last week we did not have any new patrons. This week we've got three. So I want to shout their names out. I hope I am pronouncing Charles's last name pr- properly. I believe this is Charles Gillagy. Gilligly. Um, then we have R. Chad Burrow and then Jonathan Bell. So we picked up three new patrons this week. We want to give uh, all of y'all, you know, um, you know, your props and thanks and your flowers. Thanks you for supporting the show. And uh, Cheris, we want to give you the opportunity to tell folks how they can get at you. You know, if you've got any socials out there, anything that you want to uh, kind of promote now, just let folks know how they can get at you. Yeah, from a work perspective, I'm always trying to expand my LinkedIn network. So find me on LinkedIn, Cherish Samuels. Um, should be able to find me pretty easily with that name. Uh, and I'm on Instagram at Cherish the Geek. I'm on Twitter too, but honestly, I probably post twice a year. So I'm more of a Twitter stalker, but I'm on Instagram daily. So, uh, any people out there who are, who like to be entertained with, uh, life as a working parent of a chaotic five-year-old, um, you'll find that in my stories on Instagram. <laughs> All right. And you can find me on the internet at brother tech. That's B R O T H A T E C H. And I am at Rob Dunwood on all the things. And we are at the tech John on all the things. So until we meet in a week's time. Peace. Peace. Thank you. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ 
the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. 